Support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Campus Radio. A student-operated, non-commercial radio station, KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in at any time to KUST at Mixler.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Welcome to The Medium, a podcast presented by Tommy Media that's all about what's happening in the arts and entertainment world. On today's show, we talk about soundtracks and composers, discuss our favorite scores, and catch up on the latest news and releases. Welcome to the medium. <laughs> Ooh-wee! <laughs> Episode four. Maddie, I gotta ask you something. Go for it. If I took away the camera and the lights and the actors, what do we remain? What, what's left of a movie? You know, some audio. Some good some audio. Some good audio. Some great music. <laughs> Soundtracks and scores. That's oh, what yeah. we're chatting about. Oh, yeah. Totally, I think, an underappreciated aspect of film. Yes. Movies can be made or make or break a movie with the music. It's kind of the separate, like the separator, too, between like a book and a movie, I feel mm. like. Mm-hmm. It's like the one thing that you can't really... Unless you're a musical genius like some of these people we're about to talk about, <laughs> you can't really think about a score or like you can't really make up a score in your head. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe some people can, but I imagine, can't. Imagine crafting an entire score for a book for fun. That wow. would be crazy. That would be pretty crazy. <laughs> but that's basically what some of the composers we talked about today are doing for movies. And I don't know how they do it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's truly... I, don't know, I find it so mesmerizing to look Mm -hmm. at how some of these people work and how they can just create yeah masterpieces yeah and so i gotta ask the question again what makes a good score soundtrack and i've written down a couple things what i think is that it has uh instant recognition Mm -hmm. it's uh, like when you know darth vader is coming when you hear that little (laughs) drum roll and it's it's also timeless in a way you can put it on whenever and people will just recognize it Mm-hmm. I swear there are kids out there who have never seen an episode of Star Wars mm. that know the Star that Wars That know theme. the song, yeah. yeah. Um, and just for reference, a soundtrack, they're kind of the same scores and soundtracks, but mm-hmm. scores are more typically like the instrumental music mm-hmm. behind a movie, which is like the famous Star Wars themes, that sort of thing, the Harry Potter themes. Mm-hmm. Soundtracks are typically like if there's a lot of lyrical music. So like mm-hmm. Forrest Gump has an iconic soundtrack of yes. just like hits from the 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever mm-hmm. it takes place. Um, but I think for both scores and soundtracks, you're dead on with it's just instant recognition or like you can picture the scene that it's a part of. Um, my note on how you know it's a good score is if the middle school band plays it at some point. I have vivid <laughs> memories of playing the Star Wars theme and of playing the Pirates of the Caribbean theme. So those are obviously great. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Just blasting away on the trumpet. Mm, yeah. I, I was doing a little research, too, on what's the difference between a score and a soundtrack. Sure. And boiling it down to my own definition here is uh, all scores can be soundtracks, but all soundtracks can't be scores mm-hmm. in the sense that a score is uh, kind of original to mm-hmm. the movie, while a soundtrack can be, like, different influences. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And, like, a lot of times if it is a completely instrumental score that's mm-hmm. still called the soundtrack... Yeah. Um, but then there'll be occasionally like lyrical songs on there. Yeah. So I think before we, what song and I are going to do, we're going to list a few like famous 
composers and movie works, sometimes video game works. Um, mm-hmm. We'll give some of our favorites, and then we each picked one to kind of just talk a little bit more about. Um, yes. So should we start with classics or our favorites? Let's do classics. All right, yeah. let's start there. I'm already on that page, so why not? There we go. Um, so I just listed a few of the most recognizable names I could think of composer-wise. Uh-huh. Um, John Williams does Star Wars, Jaws, Indiana Jones, E.T., some of the Harry Potter themes, and basically like every Steven Spielberg movie ever, <laughs> <Yeah>. basically. <laughs> um, War Horse, Lincoln, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Just such a he has such a composer trademark to his work that it's just you can't question it it's john mm-hmm. williams you know it mm-hmm. you hear the star wars intro you hear the indiana jones tr- track start rolling you know that's john williams that's him and you know it's gonna be good throughout the whole film right which is i don't know it's uh, how he does it is incredible yeah um the next one i pointed out love 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 <laughs> mr zim zim hans zimmer <laughs> Uh, pretty much known for all of Christopher Nolan's movies, but also Gladiator, Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, the Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr., uh, the original Lion King instrumental music. He like was part of pairing it with the Elton John music, and then really? they brought him back for the live version to like help with some of the newer music, that sort of thing. Interesting. Also, Song and I are making the medium a fan podcast for the crown yes. explicitly and that is starting because Hans Zimmer does the title theme for that <laughs> yes. show so we have love uh, that we have stayed true to our uh, or to my uh, initial uh, pledge when I <laughs> uh, came in as a host to watch the crown the whole thing uh, before season four dropped and I'm almost there oh it's so good <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk more about yeah, good a little bit later but Hans Zimmer too amazing composer and he his use of like live um artists and not you know f- defaulting to computers is i think great and you can see it in his uh live performance live in prague he has just there's got to be like 45 artists on that yeah. stage but it's just it's like off the record like mm-hmm. it's better than what you would put on spotify and it's live and they just vibe out to this music and mm-hmm. it's you can tell that it's from the heart when he does something and then, I don't know, it's cool. And the way he incorporates uh, contemporary rock with, you know, like this uh, ambient <laughs> kind of string quartet type thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I just like seeing the different things that he's done, like just across Nolan's movies in general. Mm-hmm. Like Interstellar is so different from Dunkirk. The themes oh, yeah. are so different. But then even then taking that to the Sherlock Holmes theme, which mm-hmm. has an entirely different influence and um, output. That's just, I don't, like, how do you think in that many different yeah. styles and directions? I would I don't love know. to, like, sit down with these people and ask, like, what, what's your initial thought when you're looking at a movie or you're looking at a script mm-hmm. and you like, yep, I have the idea. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do. And, you know, Hal Zimmer has a pretty cool technique, and I watched this Vice video about it, uh, and it's become more and more popular for other composers, too, um, where he takes one, like, to- note, and he stacks it three times to, like, like, an octave above and an octave below. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's a rising sound. Mm. It is not. It's just a flat sound. It's just sound. the same thing. Yeah, which is, if you watch Dunkirk or you listen to mm-hmm. that soundtrack, so many tracks on there has this like upward scaling, like mm-hmm. high pitched tone, which is really cool. Which is also really important for that movie, specifically with like the whole time component. It just mm-hmm. adds so much. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Stress. 
to the movie. Absolutely. Um, we also have Danny Elfman, who I believe these are Tim Burton movies. Yes. Maybe Nightmare Before Christmas, mm-hmm. Edward Scissorhands, and Beetlejuice. Yeah. All that variety. Um, then a throwback with Bernard Herrmann, who did a lot of the Hitchcock films. So mm-hmm. Psycho, Vertigo, North by Northwest, uh, Citizen Kane, which is not Hitchcock, and then Taxi Driver Yeah, a couple Def- decades later. Psycho and Vertigo and like these Hitchcock films, these uh, the way the visuals pair with the audio is really nice because it's mm-hmm. this high-pitched string quartet again that's just like very intense right as stuff starts to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think they're very influential in horror movie music today. Mm-hmm. I think of a lot of James Wan's Oh yeah, films with the music he has. It's a much more exaggerated version of Herman's work, but mm-hmm. you can kind of see the connection between those. Yeah, definitely put the bedrock down for what uh, horror mu- music would become. Mm-hmm. Definitely. definitely. I did not know that he was on Taxi Driver. Then again, I didn't really pay that much attention to the score on Taxi right, Driver. Right. There's a lot of other things going on. Yeah, <laughs> but that's pretty cool. I need to go back and listen to that now, mm-hmm. now that you mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, James Horner, I put this on there specifically because Titanic, I love that movie, but he did (laughs) Titanic and Avatar for James Cameron, and then Mm. also The Magnificent Seven, which I've not seen. It's a relatively recent movie, I think. Yeah, I I can look it up real quick. But I wanted to just drop that on there so I'm not only talking about Titanic. (laughs) Um, But Titanic has also uh, a lot of soundtrack components. Uh, Who does... uh... Well, there's, it's Celine Dion there's the Celine yeah. Dion, My Heart Will Go On, yep. and most of the score, that only shows up in the credits. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's no like lyrical music in the movie, mm-hmm. right. but most of the lyrical music is based, or like can be based in the melody mm-hmm. of My Heart Will Go On. See, that's also a little topic we could uh, go into, just how please, much gets lost. Please, let's talk about Titanic. How much of the score gets lost when you have such an impactful soundtrack, such mm. as Celine Dion's will, Heart Will Go On? Because I would, didn't like even... N- you know, acknowledge the other tracks sure. on there because sure. I'm just thinking about that one. Mm-hmm. So it's a. I don't know how. Well, I know James Cameron like didn't want lyrics to the song at mm-hmm. all, but like the marketers for the movie are like, we're gonna need something to pair with this movie that people can connect to, since yeah. like it's a historical movie, like that's typically not people's go-to. Mm-hmm. So attaching Celine Dion to it automatically brought just some of an audience in be like oh this is a big movie and like this is going to be important and it's obviously just an iconic track yeah um for her career and for the movie but i i definitely can see how some of the scoring in that movie gets Mm -hmm. lost one because it's so long and there's so much going on Mm -hmm. um but definitely because of that song yeah and i'm thinking about like just way out of left field here and again celine dion thinking about Deadpool 2. Yes. Because Celine Dion has the opening, like, she has uh, Ashes. Ashes. And I, again, I only remember Ashes. I can't remember the rest of the score. Yeah. And it's just, is this the Celine Dion effect? Can we coin that? <laughs> <laughs> if you have one track in your movie with Celine Dion on it, you will forget the rest of the score. That That is the music. <laughs> Producers, save your money. <laughs> <laughs> just get Celine Dion. But also how different the vibe Going from Titanic to Deadpool 2. Yeah. <laughs> what a progression. Yeah, oh, I'm my saying, God. Straight out of left field. Here we oh, go. Yeah. Welcome to the medium. <laughs> All right. Um, Conti. Rocky. That is... Uh, oh, yeah, Rocky's just iconic. Oh, yeah. I love how also the, the main theme, like the main progression of Rocky's theme is just repeated and like repurposed throughout <laughs> some of these films and how it's also been used in uh, uh, Creed. Yes. In yeah. Creed 2. I love that. It's just... 
timeless piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyone who's done a workout has heard the song. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, when I was younger, my family took a trip to where like the steps that he runs up and like the iconic mm-hmm. running scene. And we did that. And like, I remember watching Rocky as a kid, but for some reason, like that is just so relevant to my childhood, even though I don't remember <laughs> the movie ever being explicitly relevant. We, but Rocky, that's it. Yeah. Rocky. Can we accredit that to the power on the soundtrack? <laughs> you know, I think so. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Now we also have a uh, list uh, composed by classical NPR, which has a list of a lot of other composers besides John Williams yeah. and Bill Conti and all the all the the old squad. Yeah, those we listed are definitely worthy and oh yeah, fantastic. But there's a lot more out there. Yeah. So like. Um, Quincy Jones, the only uh, association I have with Quincy Jones is his own like music outside of uh, movie scores. And so to figure out that he did stuff like uh, The Italian Job and The mm. Color Purple, it just, it makes so much sense now. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. If you haven't heard those soundtracks, go listen to those. Yeah. Um, the same with Terrence Blanchard, The Black Klansman, and Malcolm X. Great soundtracks. Did not know he did that. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing. <laughs> Um, is there anyone else on this list that you, uh, Ramin, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher his last name, Jawadi, mm-hmm. he did the Game of Thrones soundtrack, and, uh, before the release of the last season, they did a, a compilation of, like, the biggest guitarists in, like, thrash metal, new metal, <laughs> uh, like, we were talking, uh, what's his name, Scott from, like, Anthrax, and they were all playing the uh, Game of Thrones theme mm-hmm. on these guitars, it's so cool. Oh, <laughs> The one I would point out probably is Angela Mor- Morley. Mm-hmm. She has a couple that like she composed herself, but she worked in the music department for E.T., Home Alone, and Schindler's oh, wow. List. So again, a couple Spielberg mm-hmm. movies in there. And like, that's the thing. The composers that are credited for the music obviously probably do most of the work, but there are whole departments and yeah. like advising teams working on these. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many behind-the-scenes people that probably should get some of the credit too. Yeah. Um, even but, if there's like a singular name attached. Yeah. But it's like with a lot of things in the in the entertainment business, like directors are going to get the credit regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And no one's going to think about the DP. Right. Or the cinematographer. Right. Or the colorist. Like, right. But uh, I think that uh, when you boil it down, it's, it's this one person having this idea and then being able to facilitate that throughout. And mm-hmm. then just the idea of getting together a whole orchestra yeah. to record a score. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Well, like, all the individual, (laughs) like, musicians, too. Oh, yeah. The six violin players. Like, (laughs) they all have a piece of making what... Yeah. Like, making the movie, basically. Absolutely. And that's why it's important to read the credits, people. Sit through the whole credits after watching a movie for the first time. Yeah, that's probably one of the things that Marvel did the best. Put, like, the last, (laughs) like, the last little piece (laughs) of film at the end of the credits so people have have to sit through it. Force recognition. Yes, give the people the credit they deserve. (laughs) Actually, good point. Yeah, Yeah. very effective. (laughs) All right, let's let's just give a couple of our favorite scores, if you want to go first. Yes. So I listed the first. Django. This is both the original Django. I think it's called Django Kills, which mm-hmm. is like uh, the Spaghetti Western version of it. And then also Tarantino's Django, Django Unchained, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because it, it's a uh, soundtrack and it has a lot of different stuff. Uh, it has scores that are directly uh, aimed towards the film, but it also have, you know, 
tracks like 100 Black Coffins by Rick Ross mm. and mm-hmm. just throwing that in a Western movie. Yep. I love it. <laughs> uh, and it's also got pieces by Louis Bacalow or, and Anino Morricone, who also works on uh, uh, Sergio Leone's uh, Spaghetti Western. So, you know, you have uh, what I would say appropriate or, uh, you know, genre appropriate composers working on the score for Django. And then next, I put in Halo 3. This is for all my Xbox nerds out there. Uh, I know we're all waiting patiently A for the next worthy edition. Game. Yes. <laughs> but the reason I put it in there is because uh, even if you haven't played the game, I, doubt, I, like, I can put money on that you've heard a track from sure. Halo 3. And it's just this big open choir that opens the whole thing. And it's you would assume an action game like Halo, a first-person shooter, would have an intense like soundtrack, but it's not. It's this open, ambious like choir with the string slowly coming in behind, and it's very like, uh, what's the word? Uh, sentimental. Is mm, the, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the word, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's produced by Martin O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore, and it's kind of cool because uh, Martin O'Donnell doesn't seem to do anything but Halo. <laughs> He's done every hey, single if Halo it ain't score. Broke, don't fix yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, then I also put in the, the Flash Gordon soundtrack. Just because uh, <laughs> the first initial flash, <laughs> ah, yeah, <laughs> it's just great. And I did not know it was uh, co-produced by Howard Blake and Queen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was fun. yeah, that's on there on some album and like greatest hits of theirs. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then finally, uh, I was gonna, I'm gonna give some uh, praise to the Scandinavian countries in this episode, and it's the Joker score by Hilda Gutnadotter, and it's just an amazing piece. This solo cello just creeping in throughout this whole piece, compared with, uh, combined with the loud like percussion drums, and really just emphasizes the chaotic nature of Ar- Arthur Fleck. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's kind of a cool story too, because um, my favorite track off that uh, score is the bathroom dance, and it's if you've seen the movie, it's probably the point where Arthur becomes the Joker, and it's paired with this. Just very slow, eerie piece where Hilda just plays the cello alone. Mm. Uh, and she wrote that a long time before even the Joker was a thing. So apparently she's been sitting on these pieces for a long time, which is That's pretty cool. That's kind of rad. Yeah, and that she find, found like a use for it mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the Joker. And if you haven't uh, seen the Joker, you might have seen Chernobyl, which is uh, the HBO show that got Fantastic so... show. Yes. She did the score for that one too. No way. Yep. Oh, yep. what? Yeah, and it's kind of cool because she brings in, like, Icelandic uh, lyrics, I think, to That's that album. That's so cool. Yeah, super what? cool. What? There you go. My mind is a... Yeah, no, go listen to the Joker soundtrack, then what? go listen to the Chernobyl soundtrack. <laughs> what? Great. Oh, so, so good. He'll do good. Wow, <laughs> shout out. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, Some of my favorites, I didn't put these on here, but, like, soundtrack-wise, Forrest Gump, Remember the Titans mm. are two of my top fave with like actual lyric bringing songs in. Um, but score wise, there's just so many. And it, but it's also <laughs> so hard to think about it because I'm like, oh, these are my favorite movies, but can I think of the music right now? I don't yeah. know. Um, so I just put down the first few that came to mind, which was Interstellar, which is Hans Zimmer, mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer. Um, the Moneyball score. That is a curveball. Which I is did not expect that. Out of the blue, I know. Um, by Michael Dana or Donna. Um, this movie, I don't, I don't know why I love it so much. 
it is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. And every time it just, it gets me in the whole, like, oh, you can't be romantic about baseball. Like, <laughs> oh, it kills me. And the music in it is actually so good. It's perfectly like poignant and exciting and it mm-hmm. builds and it just really adds a nice element to that film. So I'm looking at the list right now. And so we have 20, 23 pieces of scores, originals by Michael Dino. And then there's also, what, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven soundtrack pieces. Okay. Amongst uh, some of them, it's just great. Don't Stop Believing, Journey. Nice. So appropriate. <laughs> Gave up the funk. Uh, well, and the mighty that. Rio Grande. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, that movie's just so good. I yeah. I could go on and on. What a time. <laughs> um, and then I also had The Post, which was composed by john williams it's another spielberg movie wow not Um, seen that you should it's about journalism oh i should and uh it has tom hanks and meryl streep and bob odenkirk and i don't i wouldn't say it's like a top three spielberg movie but it's Mm -hmm. probably one of my top three spielberg movies okay cool Um, cool Really? Yeah, <laughs> Professor Vandegrift talks about it quite frequently. Well, because it has his favorite, like, one of his favorite journalism guys. What's his name? The guy who Tom Hanks plays. He always, Vandy always quotes this guy. Oh. At least once a semester. At least once a semester. In every class and in comedy media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm, you got to get it yeah. right, kid. Or It's that guy. <laughs> it's that guy. Um, but, like, it, it, it's even, I don't do reporting for Tommy Media, but... As someone that just like has learned about journalism throughout the past few semesters, mm-hmm. it's a crazy movie. Like, really get to see behind the scenes. There's a lot of like ethical questions. It's historical. Um, it's just really well done. The music is super cool. It's got a lot of like typewriter clicking kind of vibe in uh-huh. it. Um, obviously, the cinematography and like the writing is super good. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and then I'll do my video game shout outs. I would just like to say Dark Souls is quite the time. Granted, it's like known for all of its boss music <laughs> and like these epic orchestrations when you're fighting over mm-hmm. and over again. But I just love Firelink Shrine. <laughs> the peaceful little piano when you're like sitting at the fire. Oh, so I'll, there's like a 10 hour video of Firelink Shrine on repeat and I will listen to that. <laughs> Maddie already <laughs> listened to it twice today. All the time. <laughs> Yeah, I've been up for 20 hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the Minecraft soundtrack. Oh, so good. It's like so cute and so nostalgic and oh. just like, oh, I it love just, it. It works so well with the visuals of the game. And it's just yeah. like, oh, I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> I saw someone on TikTok had a vinyl record of the Minecraft score. No. <laughs> and what? I'm like, this is so cool. The vinyl was green and the, um, the case <gasps> it came in was just a grass block. It looks like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Song just pulled it up. It is the coolest thing. I think we have to put this picture next to the post, Kayla. (laughs) (laughs) So people, everyone can see. Wow. Like, I just have such vivid memories of sitting in my room at 11 o'clock p.m., like, (laughs) around Christmas time, playing Minecraft. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just you open the game and you just hear that little, like, the crazy little slogan on the side. Mm, Mm, Wow. Great. Great piece. So good. All right. (laughs) <laughs> Minecraft aside, yes. Um, now we each picked a score to talk about mm. in detail, or as detailed as we want to be. Yes. Um, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You can go first because uh, I'm kind of interested to hear your take on it. Because I just listened to the score. I haven't seen the movie. No. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. song. See, it's a movie. Ah! Yeah. No way. It became one of those films that I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'll watch it. But I just never gotten around so to it. So we're having a medium double feature of The Post and mm -hmm. what I'll be talking about, which is 1917. Song. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I'm going to get around to that. But it's become one of those movies that I'm going to buy. Yeah. Just so I can watch it whenever I want to. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. I, oh my but gosh. I'm also a broke college student. So 15 bucks for a movie. It's not what I can afford <laughs> right now. So I'm going to wait a little bit longer. Well, until then, I own it. So if you'd like yes. to come watch it, <laughs> let me know. Might just have to. I will. I'm down for that. Um, so 1917, it is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. I've always liked war movies. Um, and... This one is, it definitely fits in. It kind of reminds, it's got Dunkirk vibes. It's not as actually like war-based mm -hmm. action, but it's war set. There is still like the drama of it being in a war, that sort of thing. And it's obviously well known for its cinematography, the one-shot sequence throughout the whole thing. But I think people get held up on the one-shot. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I love it. But there's so many great elements to this movie. The script is good. The acting is good. The set design and the score <laughs> is so good. I can tell you that. The score is fantastic. Yes. I listened to it multiple times yesterday and today so in good. preparation for this episode, and it is solid. Composed by Thomas Newman, who also did the Toy show. Story. <laughs> no, that's Randy Newman. Oh, no. Gotcha. No, Thomas Newman is Shawshank Redemption, mm. American Beauty. Finding Nemo, so he is in the Disney yeah. Pixar realm. I don't know if him and Randy Newman are brothers. I'll Google it. Can someone look that up, please? Um, Thomas Newman has also done The Help, Bridge of Spies, so he's kind of Disney, Spielberg, uh, Sam Mendes, who directs 1917, and then just a bunch of other ones here and there. So the official score technically has like 18 or 19 songs on it, I believe, even though there's music in most of the film. Um, and so I went through and listened to it and kind of made a few notes on some of the songs. Mm -hmm. I won't do all of them because that's like the whole thing. And it's fun listening to it and like trying to pinpoint where they're at. I was telling Kayla before we started recording, for some reason, one of the songs on the score is like out of place. Like it's put in the wrong spot and it messes me up every time. I'm like, this is not where they're at in the movie. You need to go back, <laughs> fix that. Anyway, um, song, you said you really liked the song Gehenna, which yes. is when the two boys are crossing over no man's land mm -hmm. to go from their line to the German front line. It's definitely one of the softer songs and kind of eerie, mm -hmm. I think. So since I haven't seen the film, can, can you try and like vaguely describe oh. what the scene looks like? And I'll see if it matches what I had in my head. Sure. Well, the premise is these two soldiers have a message for a different troop that they have to go give because this troop is going to attack, but it's a trap. And so if they give the message, they'll stop the attack and save a bunch of lives. That's mm -hmm. the premise. So big like time component. They have like 12 hours to get there. So during this scene, they are going from the English front line. They have to crawl over the front across no man's land to the German front line that is apparently abandoned. These Germans just fled, but they have to go that way to get across enemy lines to go to where their new troop is. So it follows them. There's craters. It's muddy. There's dead bodies. There's dead horses. There's barbed wire. 
just total desolation okay. where they're going. Um, and there's this really cool scene where they go in this like huge crater and the camera is like just above the water and then it follows them out. And there's some like kind of gross stuff because obviously there's like rats and, mm-hmm. you know, typical no man's <laughs> land things. So would you say the pacing of the scene is slower? Yes, because they're like right. crawling slowly, making their way across. They can't sprint because there could still be mm. enemies around. There's planes overhead. So it's definitely a creep, definitely um, meant to be slower. That's kind of what I imagined when I was listening to it. So that's, uh, that's interesting that it worked out like that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Um then going to your other favorite, which was mm. A Bit of Tin. That's yes. the name of the song. This is kind of their first real heart-to-heart. One of, the, one of the things this movie is really interesting for is it never explicitly says or shows if Blake and Schofield are, like, friends. They're obviously, mm-hmm. like, companions and fellow soldiers. But when Blake picks Schofield in the beginning, is that just because they're, like, sitting together or because they're friends? They never really explicitly say that. Mm-hmm. So when they do have these like heart to heart moments, you kind of are trying to figure out, do they already know this about each other? Is this new? What's going on? Um, but I like that because it, again, is part of that softer side. Yeah, it was. It's a great track, and I find <laughs> it was kind of interesting. I was reading the review for the season four, mm. and I found myself getting a little emotional. Yeah. And I was listening to the soundtrack. I was like, why am I getting emotional? <laughs> it was pulled up. Great track. It, yes, fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, and then after that is the song Blake and Schofield, so named mm-hmm. after them. This is really hard to talk about now that song hasn't seen it. Um, <laughs> this is a significant film. If you know what scene it is, it's when they're at the house after the plane scenario. I'm not going to go further. Because <laughs> well, let's talk about the score. Song, what's yeah, the, it's what's just, the music it's, like? Again, it's, it kind of signifies the strain of the mission. It's like mm-hmm. one of the main themes of the movie. It's the main theme of them as a partnership. Mm-hmm. And it's melancholic and it's slow and, again, just very poignant. But mm-hmm. there's also kind of a beauty to it in that it's reflecting their human companionship. Like they're the only two there. They only have each other. And that's kind of enough for them. That has mm-hmm. to be enough for them. And it's just really about their mission, but then also – like humanity, like what, what's the extent to people that people can go through, can do, mm-hmm. um, especially as a pairing. But then on the flip side, I know I'm going to pronounce this wrong because I think it's supposed to be said in German, but it's technically Englander because it's from like the German perspective. Mm. This is later on when Schofield is by himself and he's fleeing the town. No. Yes. Mm. Fleeing the town of Ikust, he got there and like the troop that he has to save is kind of just outside of there. Mm -hmm. And he's running away from all the Germans that are still in this town. They're trying to kill him, obviously. And it reasserts like the time crunch that he's under because it's now the morning of that he has to bring the message. And it's very different than the Blake and Schofield track, but it has the same exact thing just with a singular component in that. It's more of how far can Schofield go as an individual? How much can he handle? But it's also, everything up to this point has been about him and Blake delivering the message. This is like the first time in the movie for me that it's more about Schofield just surviving, Mm. just getting through where he's at and like what he's going through. 
I think it's cool that when you say that, I can kind of imagine it, having listened to the score and how well the score reflects what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Given, even though I haven't seen the film, I can like, yeah. I get it. Yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. Like it, it works. Yeah, and that one's just like very panic, very mm-hmm. um, kind of rushed. Kind of rushed, yeah. and like there's a really cool. He's like running through that whole song. Mm-hmm. He's running through this town, and the way they filmed it is they had. They sometimes had to be in front of him, sometimes behind him. So they had cameras hopping on and off of like dirt bikes and four wheelers to chase him and like go around him. And so you really feel this like rush through the camera and like him just absolutely running like dead sprint, just trying to live. And it ends with him like jumping into this river to get away. Um, Just really solid top to bottom, Mm -hmm. like to convey all of that in Mm -hmm. four minutes. Yeah, it's a good job. I like the just the whole album or the whole score has such a variety in tone mm. and pacing mm-hmm. and emotion and it just it's watching a movie without watching it at all yeah. and like it, it kind of gave me the freedom to just imagine what it would look like and when you describe it now like I said earlier it's it works out really well like it fits yes what it, what you're saying and what I've heard yes um there's not a a ton of dialogue in the movie mm-hmm. so a lot of the emotion has to be carried through the music yeah um and it's all very seamless like it does have a lot of variety but it also has to be seamless <laughs> since the shots are seamless yeah um it's a comfortable listen i'm not gonna lie yeah it's, no you know, totally <laughs> it's not a lot of uh, abrupt stops and sudden starts you know it's yeah like you're saying seamless but now the song the song of the movie it's called 1600 men and it is like the climax of the film when Sko finally makes it to where he needs to to deliver the message, but he's still just like, it's just not there. And it's him trying to get like the last 500 yards, like through these, through the front line, through the trenches. And he can't make it through. And they're literally about to go over the front and like attack the Germans. And so he goes up above the trench in no man's land, technically, mm-hmm. and just dead out sprints like 300 yards and so this song the first four and a half minutes are just like building up to this and building Mm. and building and there's like a clicking to measure time there's lower brass instruments and there's string instruments and it's just he's like he has barely anything left in the the tank to like to get it there and it's just "Ah, it's just (laughs) too much and then like there's a very clear moment where he's like looking over the trench and he's like, oh crap, I know what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, these drums just like, like come in and then you're like, oh, he's going for it. And he goes for it. And it's, I have never been more like engrossed in a minute of footage in my life. It's just so encompassing in everything. Mm-hmm. And then he does make it like across where he needs to. And then he like jumps back in and then it gets kind of calm again, but there's still like, that pressure to finish what he set yeah. out to do. That's just great. It's, uh, yeah, I've just, I just got to see it now. Yeah, <laughs> like, I gotta, oh my I got to put visuals to this music I've yeah. listened to. <laughs> and then there's two more songs after that. One is mm-hmm. Mentions and Dispatches, which is a lot quieter and it's yeah. a lot more focused on just like I feel the like, loss yeah. and like the carnage of what just took place, but also how much was just saved mm-hmm. by like what happens. But it's very numb sounding almost i felt like it was a good way to just wrap it up right yeah yeah and then the very last song come back to us is soft and um again kind of poignant and very 
centered on Schofield as a character. For me, I'm always just kind of like, why? He just went through that whole experience. And for what? Mm -hmm. What recognition does he get, if any? Why did he bother doing it? Obviously, because it was like soldier's orders. Yeah. But he also, by the end of it, he just wants to go home. Who's he coming back to? Like, there's just so many questions, but it's also the perfect, like, ending. It's a very full circle thing if you have the visuals to go along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just like sheer exhaustion takes over for him. And he can't process everything that just happened in the past 12 hours, but he doesn't need to. It's enough just to, like, sit down and just, like, breathe for the first time. So very good ending to it. Amazing. Well, very good job of explaining these scenes without actually telling me what's going on. I just, uh... Yeah, I cannot. I will not spoil it. it you it, you deserve to watch it. <laughs> and I will. So to just watch. I Googled it, and it turns out the Newman family, including Randy Thomas and Alfred, ah! who amongst them have 95 Oscar <laughs> nominations. No They're way. cousins. Okay, cousins. Yeah. Cool. So no wonder you I thought got I, I was... Uh, yeah, my man Randy, Randy doing Newman. Toy Story. There's one track of the... 1917 score which i noted too which is uh lockhouse yes and the reason i uh, noted me or noted lockhouse is because it has this very heavy element of electronics mm. electronic com- like, uh, composition mm-hmm. and in the spirit of seamless transitions <laughs> my pick for um uh, my in-depth uh, score has also electronic components to it but it also relies heavily on instrumentals and it's the mandalorian score you mean the mom delorean (laughs) the mom delorean such a mom (laughs) very much a mom (laughs) but as i wrote this i did not realize that uh it's not one score for all episodes sure it's a score per episode oh every single episode has an original score by uh the one and only the biggest Swede in the music <laughs> industry, Ludwig Joransson. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And um, the story behind The Mandalorian was that uh, John Williams was originally intended to do the score, but he's, he was working on Dune, I think, at the Ooh. time. And he went, no, 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 go get that long-haired Swedish hippie. <laughs> and that's a, it's kind of a big uh, testament to And you know, Ludwig. you're going you're gonna to listen to John Williams when yeah. he tells you to do that. It's like... It's literally like uh, uh, a Jedi Master going, yeah, get that Padawan over there and let's see what he can do. <laughs> and so in typical Disney fashion of uh, <laughs> scrambling together things uh, or uh, putting pressure on um, producers, Joransson uh, had a month to write the first score for The Mandalorian. Imagine that. Yeah. And so what he essentially did was that he just locked himself in the studio for a month <laughs> and just started producing. Sure. And... Uh, what I thought was really cool is that he just kind of jumped head first into this Star Wars universe. And if you know anything about Star Wars, you know that it's you're t- you're taking on holy, you know. There's an image there. Yeah, that you have. You to know, Star Wars with. fans are uh, they're fragile. <laughs> you know, and I would know. I'm one. I am one myself. You know, if someone's gonna come in and like start messing it up, J.J. Abrams, you're gonna you're gonna hear it. And yeah, you tell him. <laughs> you're going to hear it. You know, people just are going to let you know. Just came for his life. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, John Favreau also, as a director, took on a big mm. uh, uh, task making The Mandalorian. You're talking about expanding the Star Wars universe into something that's un- mm-hmm. no one has done be- before. Uh, but back to Ludwig, is that he had this tiny little studio, 
and he said that he wanted to draw inspiration from the past when he made the the original score while like trying to be a little gentle you know easing people into to this new soundtrack and so he took inspiration from uh akira kurosawa's the uh, seven samurais i think uh they had a very western inspired score as well and that's again taking from uh anino marcone who did the sergio leone once upon a time in the west um and all this kind of comes together as John Farrow looks at the Mandalorian as this lone ranger western type gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted to keep that in mind when making the score. And I think that resonates very well as you listen to the like opening track of the show. It's this brass a recorder. It's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's I feel like it fits very well. And the whole idea behind it was that Ludwig just sat in the studio and he kind of took whatever he could grab type of oh, thing fun. so he w- he's like yeah i had this drum kit sitting in the middle of the studio and he would just start like Tackle doing the it. rhythm part and then it was like i'm going over to the piano so he literally just slides his chair over <laughs> and starts playing like the piano part and then he slides over to the other side of the studio grabs his recorder it's literally musical chairs but yeah like a singular rolling chair <laughs> exactly and so like I don't know. You you believe in the term, you know, diamonds are made under pressure? Yes, it is. Because yeah. <laughs> this is a wonderful score. And it's he uh, does it in, like, John Williams fashion to some sense where he reuses a lot of the same, like, uh, notes and, like, um, like, compositions throughout. And, like, just kind of mixes it up depending on what the story is. And it uh, it pairs very well this uh, low-key, melancholy, gun, lone wolf theme with uh, a lot of abrupt like heavy drums kind of uh i guess yeronson kind of took inspiration from when he did the black panther score mm. he also did the creed score and he also did uh he well he's also known for being the composer for childish gambino so you know that he's a pretty all-around producer mm-hmm. um, yeah a lot of different vibes going on yeah and what you just listed yeah and i think it all came together really well with this first mandalorian score uh what he also stated, I think it was, uh, I can't remember if it was Vox or Vice or if it was Vanity that he talked to when he did it, but he wanted to use a lot of practical sounds. So what that means is like, yeah, he's going to use blaster sounds in the soundtrack or in mm-hmm. the score in the same way that he uses uh, boxing noises like punching bags and stuff in sure. the Creed soundtrack, which oh, I thought cool. was really cool because mm-hmm. it's a very subtle, nuanced things to put in that you don't really li- hear on the first take. Right, right. Um well, it's just so like part of the movie's yeah. overall theme and audio that it might not stand out at first. Yeah, and it's kind of like listen to it um, on its own. Yeah, and consider like you're listen, you're watching a fight scene, and the score comes in, and then suddenly the the sound effects from the score works with the scene, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just the seamless like experience. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me of Baby Driver. Have you yes, seen that? Yes. The like the filming and the blocking and choreography of what mm-hmm. the actors are doing is so fitting with the music. Like it's specifically timed together yep. for like sounds and movement to happen at the same time. It's just a great viewing experience. It's so know? fun. And you get a lot of that in the Mandalorian. At least I feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um Baby Driver. Wow. <laughs> I well just if we've as we've been sitting here, I was thinking of Knives Out. Mm-hmm. The score in that one is really good. Um, oh, yeah. But for the Mandalorian, I feel like, not that it's hard, but I feel like it's a little harder to make scores for fantasy mm-hmm. genre things 
like Knives Out very much has its theme and it's just modern day, but also like a little Victorian vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, Baby Driver, action movie, lyrical songs and instrumental, but like mm-hmm. Mandalorian yeah. is a whole other world it's a whole that you new, get to design for. Yeah, it's a, a whole new universe and you're going to mm-hmm. like set the tone for the universe right. through the soundtrack or score. Right, right. And so I think it did a really good job on the first one. It was a good way to introduce people to Mando and the Mandalorian universe. Um and like the theme of it, this mm-hmm. Western theme that I keep bringing up. Mm-hmm. Um, he also um, used a lot of synthesizers and like he's b- pulled this whole technology concept into it, which I also think is really fitting with uh, with Mandalorian as a whole production because mm-hmm. uh, John Favreau uses a lot of advanced technology for making the show. They, you know, they don't really go on set like out on location as they have a huge uh, like... <laughs> LED screen that's keyframed inside the Disney lot that they just work with and it's just insane go to I think it's <laughs> Vox that ha- has the video mm-hmm. and you just go watch how they make the Mandalorian and you get why this uh, this whole like technology concept mm-hmm. just plays so well into it but uh, Ludwig he used a lot of synthesizers from the 80s and 70s to play into what was already like this kind of old western theme mm-hmm. i feel like that's fitting for like the whole sci-fi yeah, vibe too i think so too and he really goes off in uh season two uh the score for season two he's uh exploring a lot more he's loose- using a lot more uh uh metal guitars because he mm. states himself that he was very much inspired by by uh, metallica growing up oh so he uses a lot of uh, uh fender roads that's very curious yeah so he uses a lot of Fender Rhodes. He uses a lot of uh, weird, like, 80s guitar synthesizer combos. Mm-hmm. And he just puts a lot of distortion on them. And whatever, like, something's chaotic or there's a fa- fight scene, mm-hmm. that's when you hear those, like, intense stuff. But it still has this, like, uh, calm, rhythmical drums that goes behind it. And mm-hmm. I think it plays well into the personality of Mando as this uh, stoic, lone wolf bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. I like the whole Western vibe of it. Yeah, That's absolutely. Cool. I think it's cool. It's uh, it's very much an homage to Once Upon a Time in the West mm, and mm-hmm. uh, all those spaghetti Westerns. So um, it's a great score. And, you know, it's hard to talk about all, you know, what is it now? Eleven scores. Yes. yes. <laughs> but they all have the central theme around the Mandalorian universe and uh, the stoic nature of Mando. So Awesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Music and movies. So good. <laughs> Gotta love it. Um what's the latest? That's what we're gonna find out. Tell me the latest. We've maybe. got we've got a lot on here that yes. we can just rattle through, but you know, it's it's all good stuff. <laughs> um Billie Eilish released a new single called Therefore I Am, which mm-hmm. is a play on the I think therefore I am philosophical statement by Rene Descartes. Ooh. It's an interesting song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an interesting opening single for a potential new album. Cool. So that's a big statement. We'll see where that yeah. goes. I'm excited to see her development from like mm-hmm. from her EP to when we fall asleep. Where do we all go? To what potentially comes next? So yeah. we will see. I um I was uh, going to listen to it, but I got sidetracked uh, by Spotify <laughs> as they recommended me to listen to Phineas instead. <gasps> so I was like, Phineas. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, here's the tea. He has. Like his first album coming out, he yeah. had an EP come out. One of the songs that he released this past summer, "What They'll Say About Us," is super good. But mm. then he just released one, yeah, and I don't remember what it was called. But I did not like it. I didn't like it. And a lot of the first three songs he's released, 
um, are all very relevant to what happened this past summer, what mm. happens now with like politics. Oh, oh where are the poisonous? Yes. Yeah, that's the one I listened I, to too. I get what he was going for. It's very clear what he's going for. Mm. I didn't like it just because I'm like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, I like, uh, I don't know. I love his EP. Mm-hmm. And I love his lyrics, and I just think it was a step down for mm. his lyrical ability. And, like, what they'll say about us, I think, is on par. It still is, like, relevant and mm. definitely topical, but he does it without being so explicit. And I think the Where the Poison is is so explicit in what it's mm. about. Yeah, I felt... I'm like, I don't need to listen to music about <laughs> politics. Like, I, that, I don't want that. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. He was very obvious. It was yeah. kind of like, a, oh, you're going to show me and tell me? Yeah. Type of thing? Yeah. But... I haven't heard a lot about his other stuff, so I need to need to do that too before I can. Yeah, Blood Harmony, his EP mm-hmm. is pretty good. I okay. really like it. Cool. Definitely recommend. Maddie, this next one. The Crowd. Tell him. <laughs> oh my God. We're filming this on November. or recording this on November fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Season four of The Crown comes out November fifteenth, and you can bet we will be oh, watching yeah. The Crown. Oh, yeah. oh Lord! So I read... Princess Diana is coming. Margaret. Thatcher is coming. We're talking powerhouses. My Prince Charles is going to shine. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. So excited. Yes. I read the uh, Norwegian review for season four yesterday. Nice. As I was listening to the 1970 soundtrack, and I was like, so emotional. I don't know why. <laughs> How English of you to be yeah. listening to a 1917 <laughs> soundtrack about English soldiers mm. while reading a review about the crown about mm-hmm. QE2. Wow. <laughs> Love it. There you go. So Lilibet. Yes, a little bit. My dazzling cabbage. Yeah, oh, I, so good. I was kind of skeptical going into it because I felt like it was going to be kind of slow. And then yeah. I started watching it. I was like, I was wrong. Well, like, it is kind of slow. Like, there's not much of a connecting plot other than it's about Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. But it's still, in- like, it's just interesting. But, yeah, it's like, the it's a methodical it? slow. Yes. It's like, yes. it's a purposeful slow. Yeah. It kind of plays into the the character or the personality of Queen Elizabeth as she's like this fairly calm. Like yes. she does not get uh very stoic. Yes. Very <laughs> stable. Like. So we're gonna be watching that. You bet we're gonna be talking about it too. We'll probably chat. Yeah. <laughs> a wee bit. <laughs> Going back to to the mom DeLorean. Ma <laughs> the baby Yoda. Uh they're releasing new episodes each week, so fa- Star Wars fans rejoice uh on Disney Plus. Uh, next up, new book, November 17th, Barack Obama releases A Promised Land. I have uh, already uh, bought it on Audible. So <laughs> Love that. I'll be listening to that closely. Very cool. And then uh, Rolling Stones magazine, uh, I, I don't know if you still remember, but it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> they still write about music. Uh, they report that Megan Thee Stallion is set to release her first official debut album, which uh, is called, it's called Good News, but it also brings the question, what were the other albums? Yeah. Are they just long EPs? What's going on I, here? I don't so, know. Regardless, I'm excited. Yeah, should be good. Uh, and just quick, just couple of uh, quick uh, music updates. Two Chains, ACDC, and Tones and I have released uh, new albums and singles, and they're all worth checking out. Yeah, all good stuff. <laughs> um, Variety released their 2021 Oscar predictions. Um, they just like on their website have what they expect. Very curious. I briefly looked at some of the categories. Um, A lot of streaming service movies, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. Theaters weren't really open this year. But even so, I don't know how... um, Not 
truthful because I don't think any of the movies they nominated are bad in any like they're obviously nominated for a reason. Mm-hmm. But the Sh- film industry was definitely limited this year. Should we look at the prediction for the original score and original song? You know, I think that that's episode? a great idea. Let's let's see you it. Know, I, I normally have some let's beef see. with the Oscars as I keep saying that they're a shell of their former self and Ooh. they're kind of just, you know. Yeah, Original yeah. score. Let's look at that. If you like the Oscars, you like the Oscars. I'm not going to knock it, but I, I, I won't be staying up. No, I'm it. definitely kind of give and take with the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I use it more as a way to discover new movies and yeah. like new artists and stuff. I usually don't put a lot of stock into certain categories no. or yeah. certain nominations, but... Yeah, I mean, it's the like the big ones, the best best director, best cinematography. Like, that's the stuff yeah. I care about. But. Yeah. Eventually, like, it boils down to what do I like? What do you like? And right, right. The Academy can do whatever they want. <laughs> um, so just listen. These are the five predicted nominees for Best Original Score. Mm-hmm. Um, Mank from Netflix, which is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Mm-hmm. The Midnight Sky, also from Netflix. Uh, Alexandre Desplat. Soul from Pixar, mm-hmm. which is also Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Uh, Let Them All Talk from HBO Max. My boy Thomas Newman. <laughs> the Newman um, boys. The Newman. Back in the Oscar game. Oh, yeah. And then Minari from A24, which is cool. Emily Mossery. There's also some next in line contenders. So we have News of the World, Universal Pictures, James Newton Howard, Tenet, Ludwig Joransson <laughs> with uh, Warner Brothers, uh, The Five Bloods, Terrence Blanchard, uh, The Life Ahead, Gabriel Yard from uh, the last two is Netflix. And then Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Pemberton. I saw this one, Trial of Chicago 7. Very good. Cool. I recommend. It's Netflix. Nice. Uh, and then I also have the Best Original Song nominations. Yeah, here. what are those? If you want to listen to, uh, let's see. TBA from The Prom, Netflix. Low C, Scene from The Life Ahead, Netflix. Rocket to the Moon from Over the Moon, Netflix. Speak Now from One Night in Miami, Amazon Studios. Interesting. Yeah. Just Sing from Trolls, World Tour, DreamWorks Animation, written by Justin Timberlake, Ludwig Göransson, <laughs> Max Martin, and Sarah Ahrens. Justin Timberlake. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Still still around. <laughs> still around. Still kicking. <laughs> still kicking. So there's the score music uh, predictions for the Oscars. Very cool. You know, yeah. I'm going to say it now. Those are the only categories I care about. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs anything else? Yeah, there you go. So... Uh, that's the Oscars. When are the Oscars? Uh, um, they'll be in February, February, most likely. All right. Yeah. So there's a little while for certain things to still release or mm-hmm. to come about. We'll yeah. See what happens. See um, if, uh, maybe there's a Wes Anderson uh, nomination in there. <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be part of the play. We will see. Um, I'm only talking about this because I don't know if I'll want to talk about it once it's over or when our next episode will be for me to talk about it. So I'm just gonna do it now. Um, <laughs> Supernatural has one episode to go. In its 15 season run, Ooh. I will say right now, episode nine. There's gonna be 20 total. Episode 19 was bad. <laughs> it it was bad. It, it was bad. You know, here's the thing. I understand that the last like five seasons of that show just like haven't been great. Any like it's not the first five seasons. Chef's kiss, immaculate, so good. <laughs> Since then, really been on the down downturn. And I can say that as a fan and as, like, someone who really likes good writing in shows and movies. <laughs> but 19 was so bad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't... Tell them, Eddie. You, like, come from the end of episode 18, which broke the internet mm-hmm. because of Destiel becoming <laughs> canon? Excuse me? And then you go to 
the dumpster fire that was episode 19. I don't... And they ended it with, like, a montage, and I was like, okay, so that's it. What the heck are you even going to do in episode Tell 20? Him. I Tell don't him. know. Um, but, like, Loki was a little a little offended with how bad it was because I was like, I've been here since I was six years old and that's what you're going to give me at the end. Everyone was more concerned with Dean rushing up the stairs because he thought he heard Cass come home than them defeating God. Okay. Like that was supposed to be this huge thing. God's downcline in the, in the show, literally a speck of dust, not important whatsoever. It was so bad. So bad. Oh, my Lord. I'm so Kayla, upset. I think you need to stop this before this gets out of hand. <laughs> the best part of the episode was a dog, you guys. It's just, oh, my Lord. Wow. I'll but watch just that one episode <laughs> in a vacuum just to see non- how bad it, it is. It is absolute nonsense. But there is still one more. And <laughs> I really don't know what they're going to do. Um, I'm sure it's just going to be kind of like wrapping up the boys with everyone that has been in their life that's still around. And, them, and I will definitely still be... A bit sad, a bit nostalgic. It, mm-hmm. The show has been part of my life for a very long time. Um, I love it dearly, but wow. <laughs> Episode 19, we will choose to forget. And I am a clown for thinking it would have been good. <laughs> good Lord. Oh, wow. Wow. M- moving on. Moving on. Um, Jeez. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Love um, that. No, you tell them. Tell them, Maddie. They need to hear it. <laughs> But also, they don't deserve to hear it at this point. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm so over it. It was so not what I wanted. Okay, yeah. anyway, um, there was a YouTube channel. I don't know if either of you heard of this. It was called Unis Anis, and it started November 13th, 2019. It was created by Markiplier and Crank Gameplays, which is just Mark and Ethan. They're like two best friends. And they made this channel where they would post a video every day for a year. And just absolute nonsense, literally whatever they wanted to do. They like brought in guests. It was really fun. They were like 10 to 20 minutes long. Um, But at the beginning and the end of each video, there'd be like a countdown for a year. Mm -hmm. And with each time, they would always be like, remember, we're going to run out of time. And the whole premise was that they'd post this year's worth of videos. And then on the last day, like when they ran out of time, they'd delete the channel. Get rid of the channel. Get rid of the videos. And last night at midnight was zero. Really? And the channel's gone. Wow. They really, they deleted they it. it. They accumulated about 4.5 million subscribers. Wow. Each video was pulling in at least like a million to maybe 3 million views consistently. You know, um, no one much, else like, would do that. It was this huge, it like kind of became a huge community by the end yeah. of it. And it's gone. It's just gone. The channel, like you can look it up and like see their subscriber count, but then you click on it and it says this user does not exist. Wow. It is gone. You know, Credits to those guys for actually seeing this thing they, through and yeah. going, nope, delete. A lot of people think that they're going to like either come back for like a second kind of vibe or mm-hmm. maybe eventually republish everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gone. It would be so cool if they didn't. <laughs> if I, I don't want them to because like that was the whole yeah. premise for them to not If, if they're going to do anything, just do it again. And then yeah. same premise. Like wait a year and then yeah. maybe do the same thing with different videos. Mm-hmm. But super fun and just like it definitely put not stress but just kind of they were really emphasizing like if you only had a year left what would you do or like Mm -hmm. if you only knew you had a certain amount of time how much would you actually do what would you try to do with that time you had Mm -hmm. um 
And I really liked that. I thought yeah, it was it's cool. Cool, cool concept. Mm-hmm. Wow, really cool. I was about to say I should go watch it, but I can't. You can't. <laughs> I'm so sorry to every. There are some like random fan compilations where I think people just like recorded their favorite episodes, <laughs> but you know that. Oh, they also when they deleted the channel, they did it on a live stream. So they streamed for 12 hours on their last day with like some of their favorite moments and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right, see you on the other side, and then deleted it live. Wow, and it just that ended. is just something else. Yeah. Creds, creds. I, I really like Mark that. Markiplier <laughs> and Ethan. That's super cool. All right. Uh, uh, last thing that I put down here is uh, earlier this week, I stumbled upon a trailer on my favorite website, IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> the good old classic. The classic IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. is That's where you find me. Well... Have you guys been keeping up what's been uh, happening with Johnny Depp? Yes. So, new movie with Johnny Depp. Yay! Releasing February 5th, 2021, and it's called uh, Minamata. Maddie, Kayla, you know I love photography, right? No, I've never heard that in my life. (laughs) Of course. Anyways. Chief photo editor up in here. (laughs) Johnny Depp now plays uh, William Eugene Smith. And if you don't know who that is, he was a war photographer working for Life magazine. And the whole movie's premise is that he, uh, Eugene Smith, goes to Japan where he's going to document the effects of mercury poisoning in the coastal community. So it's all about how, you know, he like got all the photos and what was going on in Japan at the time and just his relationship with Life magazine and trying to, like, make all this stuff work. And it looked fantastic. Go check it out. Uh, it's directed by Andrew Levitas. And uh, it looks very good. And I'm excited to see Johnny Depp back on the silver screen if i can never see a silver screen again <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, so sad minamata very um, nice our last bit which was just immediately added by our producer <laughs> kayla which you know a worthy addition uh she wrote what about that harry styles vogue shoot <laughs> <laughs> and you know facts i saw some of the photo is this the one where he's wearing a dress oh my lord what a gem of a human being oh yeah ravioli approved ravioli approved for sure (laughs) yeah he always has such fun photo shoots because he does not care about like Mm. clothing and like expected what he's supposed to look like and like style whatever he just does and wears whatever he wants love it they're just good photos i'm looking at the la times uh article about Mm. the shoot i love this quote that he put up too anytime you're putting berries up in your life you're limiting yourself Wow, how deep, Mr. Styles. What wisdom. Words to live by. Wow. It's a great photo. I love this. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very nice. All right. So that uh, pretty much wraps it up, doesn't it? I think it does. Wow. Really just kind of popped off there. Yeah. (laughs) So that's it. That's the episode, guys. I'm still thinking we have to do like a 12-hour episode one time. (laughs) Let us ramble without the like, oh, shoot, we should probably like be done. But after this yeah the 12-hour episode will just be me yeah i love it recounting every hour is commentary on every season and then just an absolute of everything 11 hours of maddie just screaming (laughs) in the mic and then just half an hour for kayla and me i didn't i didn't realize that kayla and song left for lunch in the middle of it and came back and i was still going yeah well that's it thank you for listening everyone soundtracks we should have our own score for all right, thank you guys for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. I'm gonna go now get some coffee and then kind of just chill out, you know? It's a good time. Have a good time. Thanks All for right. listening, everyone. See you next time.